Project A Podcast. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Project A Podcast. Today with what I think is super interesting content because I have here with me, or not here with me, but remotely because he's in London, Jack. Uh, Jack Wang, who joined us most recently as a principal in the investment team. And we thought that the podcast is probably a good idea, a good platform for uh, uh, people to get to know Jack a little, um, for the startups and the founders out there uh, to get to know his background, his thoughts, his tips, his focus areas, and just give him like a, a warm welcome to the Project A family. So Jack, uh, we are super excited to have you. It marks yet another step for us to become more international to expand the footprint um, in a couple of multiple dimensions that we will talk about. But maybe we'll just start maybe with a, with a quick hello from you and, and your background. Absolutely. Um, thanks for having me. As, I, as Uwe mentioned, I'm part of the uh, London office now for Project A. It's growing rapidly, uh, much, much like a startup, actually. So my own background is I'm an operator, uh, operator by background. I am not a management consultant or a banker of sorts. Um, I started my career actually as a software engineer for the most part, um, building a lot of training systems for sort of investment banks in Australia. And then a couple of years in product management as well, uh, building digital banks, fintechs. Um, spent a couple of years in Seattle working for Amazon and the Ventures team. So incubated quite a lot of early categories in consumer space like uh, Handmade at Amazon, um, Amazon Home Services and like of that. Came to the UK, uh, did my business school here um, and I joined sort of venture capital ever since. I spent the last two years working for a Series A and B early growth fund and uh, had the amazing opportunity to join Project A uh, to do Seed, which uh, we'll speak to a bit more in the rest of this podcast. So very, very excited to be here. Awesome. Thanks very much. And, and that, of course, is you know, also testament to our increased or reinforced or still going strong focus on B2B software topics to have someone with an engineering background in the investment team. I think that makes uh, a ton of sense. And we're really excited to have you. And as mentioned before, to also add a bit of international footprint for us, I think that is uh, that is super important. Um, why Project A, though? I mean, you can be honest, right? I realize it's a bit weird because there's a Project A publication, uh, but um, uh, but now all the contracts are signed. You're fully on board. You know, there's no going back. Why Project A? What motivated you to to join us? Yeah. Um, so one thing I think fundamentally is the seed investing piece. Um, as I mentioned, I spent most of my time at the early growth fund and most early growth funds are sort of a bit more generic in nature. And my day to day was a bit generic. Right. So it would be time in my career what I want to focus a little bit more on the technology side. Um, as you said already, so my coverage here is B2B, deep tech, um, and then gaming, which is also very exciting. That's a whole nother podcast on itself. Uh, but fundamentally, let's say this is a time for me to focus on the areas I'm very passionate about. Um, and it's from an engineering background, I'm naturally a bit of a techie, a bit of a geek. Um, so, uh, I also gravitate towards a result of that naturally to seed investing, uh, whereas A and B is a bit more metrics driven, financial driven, right? I want to be there dreaming with the founders and exploring with the founders on their adventure together. So all of those things put together, I said Project A came up as a great opportunity. Um, fundamentally, though, more importantly, is the operating model of Project A. Uh, you know, we're operational VC fundamentally. I don't, you don't see that very often in Europe. We don't see that at all, actually, in Europe at least not at the scale that the Project A team have built over the years. Um, so to me, you know, joining a VC fund where there is actual techies on board helping the founders, it just makes sense naturally to me as well. Um, yeah. 
And on the operational model, I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've worked on this for, for a long time and uh, it feels like it is getting better, better, getting better, better, hopefully. Um, and, uh, and, and hopefully everybody agrees that, that it works with that team, specifically maybe around, you know, your area, early stage, tech driven um, things and so on. Where, where do you see areas that an operational value add could be helpful for founders? Yeah, so I, I spend a bit of time here now and I can say the model is super unique to seed founders in general, as well as obviously deeper tech ones that I talk to. So as you know, I think about a third of our operational, about a third of our founders don't actually use our operational team. So this, that's for starters, this is a very optional offering um, of the founders that does, I say, hyper value their independence. We absolutely support that. Um, about a third of our companies also use our teams full time because they're just growing so fast. Uh, the unicorns, especially who you know have about twenty or thirty roles open at any one time, right? So it's kind of two extreme sides. But I'll say for the seed founders I talk to, especially in gaming, especially in deep tech, um, the most important part is the fact that our offerings, our operations team, allow them to keep going at any one time or continuously. And what I mean by that is that usually when I talk to founders, um, him or her will have a job at out already, probably. They might be done with first round interviews, but the cash isn't in yet, or uh, that person might have worked out. There will usually be a period, I would say, three to six months where you have sort of the budget and then no one's sitting on those seats doing anything. And yes, you, the finance doesn't cost you, but your time to market is valuable, especially if you're in the deep tech patented you know, first to market kind of thing does matter, especially also games as well, right? Because you want to launch as early as you can, a lot of competitive titles out there. So especially in these two categories, where we sort of add a lot of benefit is that our team can then helicopter in for three or four months. We can set up all the infrastructure, we can set up the best practices, keeping in mind that most of our team work with startups, exclusively startups, and nobody else. Um, so they can set those things up for the founders. And then when the independent talent of the founders does, of the, of the company does come in, we hand it over um, and we start over again, maybe in a year's time for the next round. So I think that's actually the more practical uh, offerings we have for our founders, um, despite the sort of the, all the marketing and so forth, but that's such practical value add fundamentally. It's very, it's very good to hear someone, you know, telling this back to you, because obviously that's what we set out to do. And it's really good to see that, you know, it is understandable. It is uh, possible to dive into that, that word real quick. Um, and I think you, you were highlighting one of the key aspects, which is, of course, that this is by always an option, always an offering, never a mandatory uh, thing that we force on, on founders um, pretty much everybody uses it at some point in one way or another. But as you said, at any given time, you know there are heavy users and people who don't use it at all. Um, during the, the life cycle, almost everyone uses it at, at some point for something. But I think it's totally fair to say, yeah, you know, I'll take this as, a, as an option, as an option, and, and maybe I'll, I'll dive into that eventually. But um, yeah, so it's uh, so, so a very good summary. And the culture, I think, from the operational team, which I love at Project A, is that the culture from the operational side carries a lot over to the investment of the, of the fund um, and of the investment team. Um, I'll say from my experience here, the team's been great. Uh, we have the right balance of techies versus, let's say, ex-consultants versus ex-bankers. Um, we're not the type of fund that would show up to a founder who's, let's say, in a developer tool space, ask him or her a list of questions, we tick him off, and then we go away. So we're not that type of people. We actually do care about what they're building. We care about the vision they have um, beyond just, you know, normal Git saw hubs. We're not that shadow as a fun. Right, right, right. Cool. If you had to 
you know, Scribe, you, you already hinted a little bit about what you are focusing on. Give us a bit more color on, on what kind of investments, what kind of segments, what kind of industries you're looking for. What, what gets Jack excited investment-wise? <laughs> Um, I'm a techie, so the things I look at traditionally uh, over the past as well is uh, around sort of deep tech. Um, so there's different layers of deep tech, of course, but for the most part, we're looking at say things in the data ecosystem, data infrastructure, IoT as well. Um, obviously, from that as a high level, everything in the machine learning space, both horizontal, verticalized, even actually you know general machine learning, which is difficult. General AI is very difficult, but it's very cool to do. Um, things around cybersecurity, of course, um, and then developer tools in these days. So you'll see many, many layers of the tech stack and cloud being abstracted nowadays, and each abstraction layer is almost a startup in itself. So those things I've look at. Um, and also from my own background, uh, I used to be almost a programmer uh, back in the day. So I also expanded since, uh, I guess, Project Day's offering in the gaming category, which involves everything from gaming stacks, bottom top, networking, uh, esports tool, esports analytics, um, game streaming, of course, a bit like this, um, and then studios perhaps someday in the very near future as well. Yeah. And that's an interesting point, right? Because, um, you know, obviously we're all, everybody basically in the tech world now has understood how big gaming is in its, in its different facets. People are still, I guess, struggling with, you know, what are the real breakout perfect venture capital? Or where's the compatibility between that ecosystem and the venture capital world? Um, so it, it's great to see, you know, the great to see that we uh, finally have some, uh, you know, someone who's going to double down on that. But where, where do you see that compatibility happening, really, between the VC world and the gaming world? Because the conventional wisdom probably is, oh, it's also hit-driven studios, impossible to invest because you never know is it gonna really gonna work, hard to predict success and so on. How, how do you see that? So the gaming financing world is very different to a SaaS financing world or even a marketplace fundamentally. Um, what is, I guess, not as obvious to, let's say, generic VCs traditionally going to gaming is that there is a lot of alternative options out there for financing for founders, uh, namely in the form of publishing, which is kind of similar to the 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 revenue-based financing of, of our world that's happening. But publishing has been there for the last two decades, dare I say it. Um, I think what is interesting is if you look at most of the bigger gaming exits in Europe, uh, that being King, Supercell, likes of those, um, usually they don't make it past Series B, actually, in financing. <clears throat> and what will happen is that they will have a very successful title, um, Kenny Crush or something like that. Uh, they will have a lot of experience publishing this title as well being just enough of the IP and the hit-based patents. And then they would also go, hey, uh, while we have the experience and we can't have the cash flow, um, we can become a publisher. And then we can publish other people's games for, for a fee, obviously, um, but no equity, right? So that's, I guess, from series B or A or B onwards for the successful companies, that's kind of where the traditional paths have gone. What you see today, a bit more interestingly, is that... I guess X studio heads from bigger studios come out and raise their own VC sort of uh, equity uh, VC round for the companies. Said, "Hey, we don't want to be working for the blizzards of the world anymore, or the Activisions, or the or the bigger studios. We want our own show. Um, I have a vision. The publish traditionally a bit more conservative. It's not my data to go with, but that's kind of where we play the VC capital land. We say here's you know, one or two million round. Fundamentally, um, go out and make a dream." And the Series A will come when sort of the product of the game is mostly built. They kind of know what the building uh, was made. And the Series A will be for the initial part of user acquisition. Um, and that is usually the hybrid of maybe some publishers who will get on board at the same time. 
So that is sort of the, the, the state today. Mm-hmm. It's changing quite a bit in the sense that there's a lot of companies out there who are spinning out now their infrastructure as a platform. The best example of this will probably be, I want to say, Epic, uh, being the you know most brilliant company is. Started with Fortnite, uh, or started with very old Unreal games, which I used to play as a kid. Um, but the engine actually broke out out of that as a separate business. So there's now Unity, Epic, uh, Unity, Unreal as the two biggest engines. But on top of that, also the content side of Fortnite. So my hypothesis is that you'll see quite a lot of these studios. Now you see that in the HTML5 space as well, um, in the cloud gaming space where there will be original content developed, but somewhere along the line, they realize that what they built along the way is a really unique platform that can be commercialized on its own. And then that could be the spawn of a multi-billion dollar unicorn company right there. So those are the things that I am personally right now spending a lot of my time on looking for. So definitely that whole that whole world probably warrants another podcast episode at least and a bunch of yeah yeah so yeah so so maybe just just a, just a bit of a teaser um, more generally speaking you know the funding environment obviously is is hot and energetic and dynamic at the moment um, what are your tips for for founders currently trying to raise a seed round yeah um, so I I spend I have sort of I guess the perspective of both series. B, A, and seed sort of in me. And I could sort of walk backwards and say the landscape has changed quite a lot over the last two years. Um, partly it was COVID, partly with just a bit more capital out there and backing great founders. So I think the things that we're looking for when we're talking to seed investors, especially, um, is some kind of insight into the areas that they want to tackle into. Um, and ideally, it doesn't sound very cliched, hopefully, is that you know the insights we're looking for are unique perspectives him or her has um, in, in the space that they're working in. Uh, for Quicks, for example, was one of the previous investments, uh, or new, newest investments, sorry, Project A. Um, the guys come from a very different background to your normal enterprise tech. They come from the McLaren racing world of technology, where real-time data processing is key because you have a car on the road driving on and on and on, right? Um, so that kind of different perspective, when they bring in that into a new, let's say, standard industry like enterprise data streaming, we think that's very, very interesting. And we're looking to talk to more founders of that, I say, shift in perspective. Um, the other thing we're also looking for, me personally especially, is creation of new categories. So there's two sort of startup roles. One is that you're disrupting a fairly old market except that exists out there with new technology. The other one is you have a whole new market with a whole new tech altogether. And that's some of the sort of things like metaverse that we're seeing today, for example. Um, yeah, so those are the things that sort of the next leap in the entire category or market uh, as opposed to disrupting an existing one. So if you're a seed founder in those spaces, please absolutely, absolutely yeah, reach out to us. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and when, what's, that, what's that seed funding is in the bank? Like um, the journey just starts, obviously, right? So... From C to Series A, what what are your top level thoughts? What what to focus on? What are the recipes for success in that phase? So you talk to enough funds out there, especially if you're a seed founder, and the number one feedback you'll get is oh, it's too early for us. Come back when you have a million AR. So you'll hear that repeatedly, I think, fundamentally in this market, still, despite you know the, the changes in the in the macro. What I'll say is that that feedback is actually fairly, it is obviously fairly generic. What is actually meant by that feedback um, is that come back when you have enough data points for product market fit. So if you're a consumer company, for example, um, you know, selling one transaction at a time or, or a subscription of SaaS, you know, paying five pounds a month or something like that, 
then that million of worth of revenue is going to be very different in terms of product market fit than if you have a bulky cybersecurity company that sells to governments uh, at 500K a piece a year, right? So you have two of those, uh, then suddenly you're at this million mark versus you have, I don't know, 1,000 or 2,000 users as a consumer. But the level of product market fit demonstrated here is very different. Um, so when people, when other Series A VCs tell you that, I'll dissect that information a little bit. Um, I'll say focus on building the data points you need to reach that product market fit, no matter what that revenue is. Of course, monetize if you can, but focus on that. And then Series A's nowadays, you know, no one, I guess a lot of funds out there, even us included, are not really looking for that 1 million revenue anymore, uh, or there shouldn't be in the first place. Um, we're looking for a demonstration of core product market fit. Right. I think, yeah, I, th I think that makes a ton of sense because the, the way I try to recommend it to people always is thinking about the startup financing VC journey to look at it as a, a sequence of questions to be answered about your own business. And those questions, those answers ideally correspond with taking out risks, you know, bit by bit. So, and I think that the core product market fit question then is, is, is at the core of series A. And, and it's totally right, you know, that, you know, probably the industry has been focused on, on numbers for too long. Um, you might have not shown any product market fit, as you just mentioned, with one million AR. Uh, you might have shown it with, with much less. So um, ideally, uh, we, we are looking, I guess, for founders who have a clear understanding about what is they're trying to prove, they're trying to demonstrate at the moment, and then they can tell us or hopefully walk us through that thought process also a little. Um, that typically is uh, what gets us excited. If you know, I'm, I might chime in with a with a little uh, little of my own perspective here, but I think that that, that aligns quite well. I mean, overall, I think um, you know uh, a lot of alignment here that uh, that we have with you. Um, what, what's your first impression uh, working uh, at Project A? Um, is are things uh, like you expected them to be, or something fundamentally different? I think I, I'll be frank and say they're actually a lot better than I expected to be. <laughs> that is good to hear. That wasn't that wasn't pre-discussed this answer. So, yeah. Uh, well, look, there's a lot of smart, collaborative people. Obviously, on the investment team and operations yeah. team. Um, especially the operations team is to me is just mind blowing the amount of talent we have on offering to our founders. Um, we're in the space now where unicorns, especially you know, say someone like Trade Republic, for example, uh, you know, that are, that are being built in record time, right? Um, having that support of talent and just advice and, you know, experienced board members as seed and then very, very fastly to Series B, C, D. I think that's getting more key now um, than ever before in Europe. Now we're seeing sort of very big outcomes happening over the last year or two, especially with COVID accelerating some of the consumer things. Um, and then fundamentally, look, I, I, I come from an early growth fund, as you know, reputationally, some of them are moving a little bit slower than others, um, depending on the market and so forth. A seed fund like Project A, the process here is so lean, uh, which I just love. Um, we can move very, very fast. So I think that is an advantage, obviously making very informed decisions um, and building relationships with, with founders. But I say that process and that speed is advantage that I'm very, very appreciative. No, that's, that's good to hear because like, obviously we are trying to build Project A as a platform, as a, as a product for entrepreneurs on the one side, right? Because the times where we can just wait for people to show up at our doorstep and, and beg us for money those times probably never existed, but they're definitely over now um, because most of the time it's it's the other way around. Um, and the same goes to be honest for investing talent, right? So it's important for us that P 
people like you think Project A is a good career choice for them. Absolutely. Because uh, that's that's also a, a fierce competition that that uh, that we are in, and um, you will probably only work for for a company long term that you think has a really really good shot at being a good choice for entrepreneurs in in the fields you want to be active in, right? So um, yeah, so welcome to my little stream of consciousness. Those are the things that keep me up at my uh, keep keep me up at night. Um, but it's good to see that you know at, at least we 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 uh, uh, we have some success here by by getting people like you on board. Very excited to be here. Perfect. Yeah. Any last words? What what comes to mind? What is the thing that you still want to share with the audience? I mean, this is just a quick intro, and we'll we'll be sure to follow up with with many more content pieces around the the stuff where we just scratch the surface. But what's um, what's there left to say? Well, um, to the audiences, uh, if you're sitting in a you know your background, you believe you could be a founder. You're seeing an amazing tech company. You feel like, hey, the world shouldn't be like this. I want to solve that problem. This is now in the wider market a great time to do that. Um, go and start a company. And if you want to talk to us, and hopefully you do, uh, come find us. We're on LinkedIn. My email's on LinkedIn. Email me, reach out to me, whatever you can. Speak to us. We're here. Perfect. Jack, thanks so much. Short and sweet. Um, very condensed uh, welcome uh, podcast episode, but also a warm welcome from us uh, to you. Um, hopefully this gives a good overview to, to people. There are more podcast episodes that, that can be checked out. For example, a longer one or on our whole investment process from initial contact all the way to term sheet that might be interesting for people to check out. And um, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Um, we are experimenting a little with it of course and hopefully those content pieces that we produce here are somewhat helpful to the wider community just as this was hopefully uh, a welcome welcome episode with jack uh, highlighting his journey so far talking a little bit about the fields that he's investing in um, some recommendations some tips some insights and uh, as he said if you're building something interesting make sure to reach out we'd love to have a chat until next time see you soon Thank you so much for having me. Bye, guys. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating. Thanks, guys.